Welcome to episode 73 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, I'm glad to be back in person, but on video (laughs) with Todd this week, not having an IEP meeting. Um, So, and my thought for this week, Todd, you're going to hate it. Um, Jordan, if you're listening to this, you're not allowed to let him make you delete it. (laughs) Jordan is our audio producer. He's our audio producer. So just so you know, don't let Todd make you delete this. Um, between when we're recording this and when it releases, it is a certain co-host of mine birthday. Oh, God. <laughs> so in honor of that, and this is going to make you laugh, hopefully, I, in flipping through things when oh, I was no. moving, found in my journal, I oh. wrote down the first time we met. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> It's all good things. So I just thought it was so funny because I talked Mm. about applying for this job and Mm -hmm. that I went in and met the director of this uh, preschool for kids that were had hearing loss and for the graduate program that was training people to work with kids with hearing loss. And you just told me about how in demand this field was (laughs) and how it was something I should do. And I just like absolutely woke up, walked out with um, stars in my eyes that uh, I I said in there, I just felt like this was what I was supposed to do with my life. I knew this job opportunity would open the door for me getting into the graduate program. And I wanted it so bad. Then a couple of days later, I got an email saying that I hired someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But I was so impressed that I emailed you back and was basically like, I will do anything. I will volunteer. I will do anything to work with this program. And that's Mm -hmm. how I became your undergraduate research assistant. That's right. That's right. And I just had to share that because I feel like there's very few times in my life where I can say meeting this person has changed the course of my life. And Todd, meeting you was one of those times in my life. So I, on behalf of me and all of your former students and everyone that you have taught through the many years, I have to thank you for everything you do and that I will always be proud to be one of your best and the brightest. (laughs) So happy birthday, Todd. (laughs) Wow. That's a surprise. Thank thank you, Kim. You, you, You didn't have to do that. And, and. Really, I'm fortunate to have had you as as a as a GA and and then as a student in the program and 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 so fortunate that we can continue working together now on the podcast. Uh, so it's uh, it's been a joy and and it's been because of of you and what you what you do and 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 your your personality and what you bring to all of this. So so thank you. Thank you. I was worried after uh, last week, you'd be like, Ken, I don't need her. <laughs> hey, I'm solo. Hmm. Yeah, you can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you were missed. Definitely. You were missed. I'm glad. So you had an IEP meeting last week. So that 
went well. I did. I did. And um, just so you know that telepractice can be the answer to some problems because this particular parent did not like anyone at the school until they found this girl who was working on the screen and sounded <laughs> like that was kind of a weird idea. But now I have a contract with the whole school because of it. So right. <laughs> it went well. Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've, we've all had great IEP meetings when everything kind of goes smoothly and we've had the opposite to happen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when, For sure. Um, I was telling someone the other day, the longest one I ever had in my career was about seven hours. We started at nine in the morning. We did break for lunch (laughs) and we came back and kept meeting different people kept coming in and out of the meeting throughout the day, but it was, it was horrendous. And, um, fortunately like you, I was, I was sort of on the good, good side on the good list (laughs) and just about everyone else was on the naughty list. Right. And these and these parents were well informed and they knew what they wanted um and it took forever. So uh but yeah, that was probably one of the worst situations I've seen in a long time. But that was many years ago. So Well, on the podcast today we have Emily McCullough down in Austin, Texas and she's going to talk about bilingual therapy because she is bilingual. And she's also just started a new practice that is completely telepractice. So uh, she'll talk to us about uh, transitioned into this new practice and all that she's doing um, with her page, with her clients. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, We would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview. So, Emily, welcome to the podcast. Can you share more about your background? Yeah, sure. Um, I My name is Emily, and I have been a speech therapist for 11 years now. Um, it was actually my <clears throat> kind of second career, so... Um, so yeah, I kind of got into it a little bit later and, um, and now I'm in my 11th year, so I can't believe it. It's kind of gone by pretty fast. It, it has a way of doing that, doesn't it? Yeah. It's so, like, wait. <laughs> so how did, how did you, um, wind up in, you said it's a second, uh, second career. So how, what did you, mm-hmm. what was your first career and how did, how did it change and go into speech? 
Yeah. So I think it's, it's interesting. So I went to college, not knowing um, undergrad, not knowing what I wanted to study at all. So I went to Guilford college in Greensboro, North Carolina, mm-hmm. liberal arts college. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to study, get there and um, start really getting into learning Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so interesting. I got to go to Mexico as well on like a study abroad. And I was just like, that's it. I'm, I'm going to be a Spanish major. I love this. I love language. And I've always been musical as well. And I don't know, I just felt like it was just a way to express another way to express myself um, and connect with different kinds of people. And so then after college, I, so I graduated with the the major in Spanish and then um, I definitely wasn't fluent. I wouldn't say at all. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I could understand quite a bit. I could say some things, but um, it wasn't until my first jobs that I got really fluent because I just kind of jumped in and so I got a job as a medical interpreter at the health department in Asheville, North Carolina. And so um, I moved from Greensboro to Asheville and was able to get a job. Well, before that, I was actually worked with uh, farm workers through AmeriCorps program. So I worked with them and kind of got my feet wet as far as interpreting for medical appointments and that kind of thing. And then I got that uh, job at the health department. And so I just started interpreting for, for clients and just really loved um you know, it's interesting because it's all about communication, right? So interpreting Mm -hmm. is helping someone communicate. And so um, I just, I can look back and see how all of it relates. Um, My sister is actually a speech therapist and she went in, she's younger than me and she went into it before me. And I was always like, what do you do? You know how it is. Mm -hmm. It's like, no one knows what we do. And I'm like, what do you do again? And I knew she worked with autistic children, but I didn't know exactly you know, I just wasn't sure. And we hadn't, she told me, I'm sure a few things, but I didn't understand, you know, everything that it encompasses. And I remember um, it had a series of jobs where um, I was working. So I did the interpreting and then I kind of went to um, working with early Head Start. So I was a family services coordinator. And so that meant that I was able to kind of be present in the daycare and just connect families with different services that they might need. And one of them was actually speech therapy. So I remember thinking, oh yeah, my sister does that. Let me call her. You know, it's just, it's just started opening my, my mind up. Cause I started thinking, I want to do something more. You know, I started thinking, Hey, I'm referring to these specialists. That's my job is to like facilitate that. But what if I was like one day, a specialist that someone referred someone to, you know, so mm-hmm. that started me thinking on, you know, how do I want to uh, advance in my career? And so I remember that speech therapist coming in. And I watched her do the PLS and of course I had no idea. I saw the purple bear and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. You know, and the kid was doing things and I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. So I talked to my sister and she's like, you know, they, you know, you have the Spanish piece and, you know, this could really meld. And I had a moment of thinking I might want to be a a doctor, like a a physician's assistant. And then I was like, Oh, you need organic chemistry. That was just not going to happen. So (laughs) I, lo- yes. I sat in on a class thinking, let me just mm-hmm. sit in and see if I can like catch up. And yeah, that was, I was like, okay, that's, that path is not going to be um, for me, but mm-hmm. the speech pathology was like, oh, there's the medical piece. There's the language, you know, there's a bilingual piece that I could bring into it. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just seemed to really fit. And I loved helping people and just, um, working in the hospital that I, I worked in the hospital too, as an interpreter, um, and the health department. I just really liked that, um, helping people communicate. And so, I applied to different places around the country, ended up getting into UT Austin. And um, I think I got into a couple of other ones. I was waitlisted somewhere. I don't know, but I ended up traveling here first and I just landed. It was April. It was beautiful weather, not hot. 
I was like, this is amazing. The flowers are blooming. It was low humidity. You know, it was great. And I just love the vibe of the city. And I'm like, oh, this, this is it. This is where I want to be. So um, I was just so lucky to, to be able to get in and to be able to move here. And so I left Asheville, which I love that city oh. and I love North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so much. But I made the trek down and um, yeah, it was 2008 was when I started my grad program. So I kind of had about seven-ish years in between undergrad to grad, um, just really kind of feeling those jobs out and seeing where that kind of led me. And um, and yeah, so then graduated in 2010 and then, um, and I did get a certificate in the bilingual speech therapy because I wanted a program that would teach me because I'm not a native speaker. Um, and I'm also not bicultural. So I wanted to make sure I was, you know, learning, um, from people that could really teach me about, um, cultural, you know, being culturally responsive and also, um, knowing the, the phonemes in Spanish really well so that I can, okay, what's the difference and just really learning Mm -hmm. it in both Spanish and English. And I had some great mentors at UT. Yeah. And then, then that's 11 years ago. And, I worked in pretty much every setting you can think of. Um, I don't know that I'm alone. I know a lot of us kind of <laughs> go, you know, try out different things. And that's the thing about our field that it's like, there's always probably a position that is somewhere, you know, in some kind of, you can try things out, you know, so it's not like you're stuck. Pediatrics though, I've definitely always um, done pediatrics. So I didn't say that part. Um, and I've just always been drawn to working with kids and that's really worked out for me. I've really enjoyed being in pediatrics and that's where I've kind of specialized over the last 11 years. But yeah, I worked at a um, children's hospital right out of school. Then I worked um, a contractor in school systems doing bilingual therapy that needed bilingual therapists. I've worked in Texas, Colorado, and Georgia, the Atlanta area. Um, and now I'm back in Texas. So um, moved around a lot, done a lot of jobs. I've done early intervention. Telepractice is the only thing I hadn't done, right? So I've done outpatient clinics, And I never saw, I never even knew this was a thing, you know, Um, but I actually discovered it before the pandemic in 2018, I started thinking about it and actually took your course, the connecting to communicate. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. No, that's okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I was just really excited to learn more about it in 2018. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was really cool because it wasn't really a thing yet because the pandemic hadn't happened. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a thing because people were doing it, but it just, in my world, I hadn't seen, you know, um, people doing it because I was just not, I don't know, just hadn't, I didn't have access to that. So, um, it was cool to, to kind of start learning more about it and, Mm -hmm. um, trying it out with some clients. I was in an outpatient Mm -hmm. setting and some clients were like, sure, let's try it. You know, and I started out with some older kids because it just Mm -hmm. made sense. It's like the parents were like, yeah, they can sit and do, and let's do some Arctic and some R. And I got really good at doing R, which now I love. I just, Mm -hmm. I'm like, give me R. I love R. Oh my gosh. Um, I have one. I can send you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm all about it. Um, I'm all about it. So it's, and it's on telepractice. It's just been such a great way to, to do it. And, um, yeah. So I've been, I started learning then and then the pandemic hit and it was like, oh, okay, well, nothing really has to change with a lot of these clients that I've been working already with on telepractice. Mm-hmm. And so now um, I have my own telepractice company, which I'm really excited about. So I decided, hey, what, what, what would it be like if I actually did my own company and my own um, mm-hmm. private practice all online? And that's what I'm doing. So yeah, that's right. the long answer to the journey. <laughs> I love it. 
I love it. And I think if if we ha- didn't have the pandemic, I felt like the try it with one or two clients is kind mm-hmm. of would have been our advice of mm-hmm. how to get into telepractice. But then we all had to do it with all of our yeah. clients. Yeah, so if someone now, now is starting and didn't have to do it through the pandemic, I think that would be the advice. Try it with one or two. Get yeah. your feet wet with it. Yeah, totally. And I was just, that's, that is how I was able to ramp up. So I know so many people, it was just like entire caseload switched to, right. to teletherapy. And I'm sure that was tough, you know? Um, and I was also doing individual kind of one-on-one situations. So I think that's got to be really different from groups. I've worked in person in school, so I know how those groups work and, um, I've thought about like, how would that be online to have the, the groups and just the different goals and things. So that's just kind of a different, um, clinical skill, especially probably transitioning online as well. But I yeah. feel like I had that benefit of, like you said, like a couple kids, try it out, you know, get your feet wet. Um, and then now it's just been, it's been so great. And now there's so many more resources, like mm-hmm. activities and things you can do and, you know, go, go speech, um, all these things that I use that I just, I don't, you know, that are coming out of people having to kind of figure it out and, and make it fun. And yeah, I'm really thankful for all of that too. Nice. So do you notice any, sorry, do you notice any challenges or differences with doing bilingual therapy on via telepractice? Um, no, it's pretty much the same. (laughs) It's the same. <laughs> yeah, we're the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same process. So yeah, not really. And and kind of describe. So describe what a typical bilingual session would be if you were doing it in person. Um, I mean it would so it depend. Maybe the kid would be, I would be treating them depending on their, you know, what language they're speaking most often. So if it's like mm-hmm. a younger kid that's more Spanish dominant, then it would be probably the whole session would be in Spanish. Um, or if the kid is, you know, maybe more leaning towards they're in school and they've been in school longer, you know, supporting with Spanish, but also, um, speaking probably mostly English to them. So it really Mm -hmm. depends, especially if you're talking about school kids. Now there's articulation, you know, it depends on, it just really depends on, you know, what sounds they have or what they're, what they're working on. But, and what you said about materials, yeah, that can definitely be a challenge looking for those materials. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just end up using my own stuff or just, you know, making, making things or, you know, there's an articulation station, which they actually have in Spanish as well. So that's Great. been really helpful. Yeah, for sure. And, and so it's sort of transferred to telepractice fairly easily because you're working still mostly one-on-one with most of the, of your children. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I've expanded. So I, I started out doing more one-on-one therapy, um, with old, you know, with kids that can typically sit at the computer and kind of that traditional, like we think about, okay, we're interacting. I'm showing you the materials. Um, but I've also added on, um, parent coaching, um, which has been really cool to see. And, um, it's been so effective and so fun for me, um, just getting to really be in the activities that the kids do during their daily life. So we're talking about mm-hmm. maybe younger kids, you know, that are early intervention age or kids that needs a high level of support through using the AAC device or something like that, where I just love being able to be in their homes virtually and be able to support them. And I really love empowering parents to, to carry out those strategies because, you know, a lot of what we do is it's, it's trying to explain, okay, it, it, 
what am I trying to say? It's, it's, it's doable with, you know, parents and caregivers can do it and they can implement these strategies. They just need that, some of that knowledge, but also that understanding of where they're coming from and just that partnership. And I've really enjoyed doing the virtual sessions. And I've, I've had parents tell me like, yeah, this is really, I like this. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure I was going to work at first, but now that it's going, like, I really, um, love that you're able to see what we do on a daily basis. You know, it's easy. And then with COVID, of course, you know, nowadays it's, you know, I'm not going from house to house. I'm just able to just be there virtually and it's, it's super safe too. So, so yeah, that's another thing. So I do the one-on-one with older kids or kids that can, you know, kindergarten or preschool and up just depending on the kid. And then um, Mm -hmm. that parent coaching piece too, that I really like. Have you noticed, uh, you know, different, we all want to be culturally competent, right? And so have you noticed any differences in terms of how uh, some other cultures you're working with may approach the child, you know, that has special needs or needs your services in terms of do they, I mean, I don't know what I'm trying to say now, but, you know, parents want to you know, make sure their kids succeed. But we also know that, you know, culturally, sometimes you can see some different views of disability and different views of, of childhood, even childhood and, and how they interact or want to interact with the professionals or with the teacher or the clinician. So have you yeah. have you noticed some differences there that uh, come through with in telepractice? Yeah, I think it's similar to kind of any, you know, working I mean, you're in home. So I've done in-home mm-hmm. therapy as well. Um, not just early intervention, but older kids too. So I think it all just, it, it, it's very similar to that when you're going into someone's home, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just having that respect and kind of knowing, you know, I'm here not as an expert. And that's what I really try to, to convey in my practice and that I'm really here as I'm learning about your family and your child and what you um, feel is important. And so I'm here to supplement that with um, the knowledge that I have, but not to say like my knowledge is better or is more, um, it needs to be followed more than what your values are. So I think, um, I think it's similar to in-person where it's just meeting people where they are and trying to, to learn more about different cultures, depending on the clients that I'm serving and to ask them directly, you know, how do you feel about this? What do you think about autism or what do you think about um, the way your child communicates, how, what are their strengths? You know, what are, what do you mm-hmm. see that's really great? And then is there anything, is there a time of day where it might be more challenging or, you know, just framing questions and in a strength-based way and also just really respecting where people are coming from and trying to learn from them is kind of my approach to that. I think that's, <laughs> that sounds great. And, and so you, you have now gone in the in the other in the, in the direction of having your own company and really yep. you know stepping into that arena how has that been for you it has been amazing it was very <laughs> scary um mm-hmm. to to do because i've worked for other people you know my whole career mm-hmm. and um you know it was scary to put myself out there um make a website and say okay this is me i'm i'm out you know i'm out there and mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of support, um, with, from other speech therapists and, um, uh, the start your private practice program, which is Jenna Castro Casbon. Mm -hmm. She is amazing and her group is amazing. And I, she helped me start, start your private practice, but it's true. You know, it's like, if you don't start, Mm -hmm. 
then you'll never start. And you'll be where you, the next year you'll be thinking, oh, I really wanted to start a practice, but I mm-hmm. didn't do it. You know, so she is just her modules and program. I kept stalling and I kept thinking, well, maybe I, I don't know, you know, it's not the right time or whatever. And I finally just said, all right, just get this program. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not that much. Just get it see what happens. And I really didn't look back from there. You know, it was, it's a, it's a very um, good roadmap to follow. It was like, get your LLC, then do this. Because I know, I think a lot of us worry about liability and is everything set up correctly? And I've got to have HIPAA compliance. And, you know, it's like that, that can get in the way of just starting and just, you know, cause it's still so overwhelming. It's like, well, I don't even know where to start, but she really has um, all of that kind of lined up. And then so many, so much support from other therapists that are new as well, that are like, Hey, questions and Facebook group and stuff. So it's just been um, really, I mean, that's what helped me help me start. And of course, support from friends and family and, and that kind of thing. And just for me to just go for it and um, getting clients. Um, now that I'm getting more clients that increases confidence too. just like people are finding me or, you know, we're a good fit. Um, so that's, that's been really great, but it's been exciting and scary and just kind of all of the above, but I'm really glad I did it. So how are people finding you and do you have any like pushback once they find you and then they find out that you're only online? That, um, that's been a process. So I launched, um, my website actually a year ago this month. So, um, I'm about a year old and it took like, you know, how I don't know if you guys, you probably know about Google, but it takes mm-hmm. a while for, cause I, mm-hmm. I thought like, Oh, everyone's going to just automatically be able to see me. I'm just going to launch it. And it's done, you know, mm-hmm. of course, no, like you launch your website and then Google has no idea you exist. So, right. you know, it took, um, I think it took like two months for somebody to find me. And I think I was blogging every week, you know, I was trying to get that SEO going. And I also, I do Google ads as well. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. helped. Um, so yeah, they are finding me. Um, it depends on what, so if they go to the website, if they're directed there and they go there and they see everything, they typically see online and, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of see what's going on. Um, but if they end up just calling, which I'll do that sometimes too, with like Google, my business, I'll just Google something and I'll like, let's hit the phone number, you know, call sometimes they don't know, you know, that it's fully online, Mm -hmm. but, and I've had some people that are like, oh yeah, that's not going to be fit for me. And I'm like, okay, that's, uh, here's some other names. Here's people in the community that are doing in person. Um, but if it, sometimes they're like, wait, I didn't know that could happen. That's interesting. You know? And so then I do Mm -hmm. a free, I'll offer a free consultation. So I'll talk to them on the phone and then we can do a free virtual session just so they can meet me. And then if, you know, if the kid is older and they kind of want to see how they do with the games, I can kind of show them my different things that I do and how fun it is. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's been where some people are like, okay, you know, thanks for meeting. That's not going to be a fit. And then a lot of people do see how, how easy and fun and connecting it can really be. And so then they end up um, doing the about and signing on and stuff. So it's been just kind of different with different people, but I think the more that Google learns who I am, um, the more uh, people are kind of already aware and I'm finding the people that are looking for online, I guess is what I'm saying at this point versus like early on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I even think that, um, at least for me, I feel like doing it online removed some of the barriers that I thought of or had when I thought about having a private practice. That I'm like, where am I going to do this? How am I going to meet clients? Like, do I need to find a building? My house is never clean enough to bring people in here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
No, I totally agree. Cause the overhead, you know, I don't have to rent a space. Um, I'm super comfortable in my home. And so that, mm-hmm. you know, that helps. And um, yeah, the startup costs, you know, um, are very minimal and just those monthly, monthly costs. I totally agree. I think it um, definitely open because I'd never thought about starting a private practice because in my mind that was brick and mortar, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you hire a bunch of therapists and, you know, and that's fine for a lot of people, but I never saw myself doing that. Um, Even just maybe even having just me myself, I wasn't sure because it was, again, it was like, where would I go? you know, how just, it just felt overwhelming to think about a physical space, but yeah, opening it up to, um, being online and virtual and the fact that I can see kids throughout Texas, which is just so right. cool. Um, I'm also licensed in Illinois. And so, um, haven't mm-hmm. seen anybody there yet, but I had a lead and, um, that kind of thing. I didn't work out, but, um, I got licensed there. And so I really, um, I'm excited about those possibilities of, you know, license. Well, I'm not excited about getting licensed in multiple States. I want that interstate <laughs> thing to pass so that we don't have to do that, but right. I am excited about being more available to more people, um, through telepractice since it can happen across state lines. Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I think it is too. And I have, like, I think I was kind of scared to think about cross licensing or keeping a cross license, but I have a license in California and I see one student in California, but that one private student pays for my license. So I'm like, it works out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you never know where more, you know, clients could come from and just yeah. having, um, having that ability is really cool. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's super cool. People do definitely when they go on vacation and stuff, I've had to explain that a lot where it's like, I know you're only there for two weeks, but you know, yep. it doesn't work that way. Yep. They're like, but it's virtual. I'm like, I totally understand. I yep. am with you, you know, but um, I know. until then, till we get that, you know, taken care of or whatever. Um, so yeah, my, my California family recently said that they are moving into their R- RV and I was very clear with them. Okay. You can travel to California, Idaho, or Utah and still have surfaces. <laughs> if you yeah. go out of that bubble, you have to let me know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so funny. I mean, hopefully we'll, it'll be easier in the future with, and I think telepractices, I mean, since it's been here forever, right. But I think it's mm-hmm. going to be here forever too. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. Um, and more, it's just more, um, like with online school. And I do feel that people, um, are more open to it probably than they probably were when I started in 2018. Cause I felt like in mm-hmm. 2018, I had to kind of explain it more. They're like, what, you know, what is that? How does that work? Which is totally understandable because, you know, if you're used to in-person services and you think, oh, the mouth and how do you show that? Or if it's a speech sound and you know, all that stuff. Um, but it's been really cool to see how effective it is and convenient. And, you know, I just, I love it. I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like before the pandemic, I had to explain to people what it was. And now after the pandemic, I have to explain to them that I've been doing this since before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, same. I do too. I, and it was only a couple of years, but it was definitely yeah. like, wait, this was a thing before, you know, yes. it's just right. um, now it's more common. And I'm sure the people that have been working at other companies, you know, those bigger companies that have been doing it for, and maybe you guys have been doing it probably way longer than I have. I know you have. Um, it's probably like, yep, we've been here. <laughs> we've been doing this. So. Um, yeah, but we, we were we were the cool ones before it was cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, 
And now we're all leaning on y'all to help us figure out, you know, let's get the trainings and different things and, you know, all the resources and all that stuff. And that's, you know, it's just, it's, I'm thankful for people that are more experienced doing it and have, have those resources. So I, I, I admire people like you who, who have had the experience before COVID, but then had the courage to start your own company and, and, and really jump in and, and sort of embrace this whole, you know, service delivery model at a distance, you know, using distance technology and doing telepractice. I think it's a, it's a, it's a big step, but it's a courageous step. And I, I applaud you for doing that. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's just working. It all just kind of worked where it just led me to this. And um, yeah. And I always love finding creative ways to, to do online therapy. I mean, I felt like in person, you know, our jobs, especially working with kids, you know, I feel like it's pretty creative to figure out, you know, okay, how can I do this today? Or are we doing Play-Doh? Or are we doing this? You know, and, but then also the creative process of thinking, okay, I don't have that at my disposal as far as some of these in-person things that I would do. So what am I going to do? And then figuring out, I just love that process instead of looking at it as like, well, I can't do that or I can't make this work. It's like, what, what is a way we can put a spin on it and figure mm-hmm. out how to do this um, uh, virtually and make it, right. make it work. So um, I do rely a lot on the materials, but I also love the parent coaching aspect as well, because that can get kids playing. It can be child led. It can be whatever they're into. Mm-hmm. And I try to really incorporate special interests into materials. It can't be, I mean, maybe not everything. Cause if I'm doing articulation station, then that's just, that's the words we're, you know, we're practicing, but I do try to, you know, incorporate those special interests um, as much as I can to tailor to each kid um, that, that just to get them really motivated and excited to communicate. So, but I feel like I can do it online just, you know, just as effectively, which is just so cool. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> I think it's good for people to hear too, that you know, if I am a bilingual therapist, adding being a online bilingual therapist doesn't really add any barriers or anything like that. It's I can do the same thing that I would be doing. I'm just going to do it online. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 um, I think that that goes for like any, any type of really therapy, mm-hmm. barring something where you'd have to be super hands-on for oral motor or something, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only thing that sometimes I'm like, okay, if it's not a fit, you know, um, not yeah. everybody is a fit, but yeah, I mean, I think that goes for, um, just, yeah, any type of, you know, language therapy or tick therapy. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, as long as we have a good internet connection, you know, the technology is there, um, you know, it's, it's something that we can, we can do. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. I like the way you phrase that there's where there's a will, there's a way, right? Yeah, I feel that way. I mean, I, I feel, and I, and I think too, like I didn't feel forced into it, you know, and I, I think that there is that where it's like, Oh, we have, we had to do this, which I totally understand. I was, I was just really excited about it before. And then <clears throat> when the pandemic, I, clearly do not want the pandemic to be happening, but it did bring a boon, you know, a positive thing, which I don't even know if it's okay to say that. I don't think there's Mm -hmm. anything positive about it, but I'm just saying there, there was a creation of a lot of resources during Mm -hmm. that because of the, the, um, telepractice getting more, uh, more common. 
So I just, I love the virtual backgrounds, um, like go, go speech. Like I was saying, I got into, finally got into green screen. So I had not ever done that before. And I was like, wait a minute, what do I need to do? What is a green screen? You know? So I bought one from play spark toys and they have these big felt ones. And I, you know, I have my little thing that I set up and the kids love it. I do these eye spies, you know, where I have my little magnifying glass and, um, they, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is what they use for the weather. Like I literally was like, that's what I was like, that's how they do yep. that. <laughs> they have a green screen. I don't, I just had never thought about it, you know, but like now that I have one, um, it's super fun, you know, for kids that they love Thomas, you know, we get to who can find Thomas first, you know, or, right. or whatever, or I've done it where a kid's working on a sound and they have to find pictures that start with that sound or which, Oh, does this start with the F sound? Nope. Let's find another mm-hmm. one. You know, and we go along and I just think it's magic. And <laughs> I have one too, of course I really do. Um, and then I love the, the backgrounds too, because um, the go-go speech, you can like, there's one where a lot of them where you reach into a basket or something. Mm-hmm. So I have the green screen yeah. set up with the pocket, you know? So I'm like, Ooh, what's in this basket, you know? And I, my mm-hmm. hand disappears and they love that. Um, and so I've been trying to increase um, just the versatility of the green screen as well in virtual backgrounds. Cause they love it. Um, and I have one kid who, he put, he started doing like the zoom. Um, mm-hmm. what is it? The filters, filters just on yeah. his own. And he's like, got these glasses. And I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. Like I didn't, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some cool aviator glasses, you know, and just the <laughs> fun ways they can express themselves, um, virtually is, is cool to see for sure. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So Emily, this, this is a, we've reached, I think at the point where we have, um, the most serious discussions. Um, okay. I hope you're, you're, so this is what we call our moment of Zen. Um, so we have, we have some questions we want to ask you and very serious questions that we need to get to the bottom of, uh, some, a few things. Um, so you can answer any way you want. Uh, you can answer with one word or elaborate as much as you want. Okay. Are you ready? What's the most used app on your phone? Um, probably Instagram. All right, did Very. you mean for teletherapy or for just in general? Personal? Okay, okay. Oh, this is like rapid fire. Okay, next. <laughs> what was the last TV series you streamed? Oh, last TV series. Oh God, I watched a lot of TV, but I'm like, what was the last thing? I'm watching this show called Doctor Foster right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not. It's not done. But British, yeah, that's British it. show. Yeah, right? British. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. What's your favorite genre of music? Um, I really like pop. And mm-hmm. I actually also produce um, uh, electronic music and pop music. So, um, yeah, that's a good question for me because I love music. And awesome. yeah, but pop, hands down. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, who would you like to have dinner with dead or alive? Oh man, these are hard. You know what? I would actually say my grandmother and mm-hmm. she passed, um, a few years ago. So I would like to have dinner with her. <laughs> That's great. Uh, a lot of people say grandparents or a relative. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Um, if you could create one law or behavior that everyone had to do, what would it be? 
be kind to everyone, um, regardless of, and respect people's differences and um, authentic selves mm-hmm. and be kind towards people in their authenticity. That's, uh, that's excellent. That's great. Um, what's the most exotic or farthest place you've ever been? Uh, furthest place, I guess, would be Spain and uh, Morocco in high school. Ooh. So it's been a long time, but yeah. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah, I've, I've been to Spain. Love it. Yeah. Um, what's the scariest thing you've ever done? And you can define scary any way you want. Probably opening this business. On the <laughs> I was going to say, it could be the yeah. business. Yeah. On the long, along the lines of what we've been talking about, it was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't there a saying that the most um, overrated things are childbirth and opening your own business and those are the two most common answers that we get for what's the scariest oh that's so funny yeah 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 i don't have kids so that's not on the list but yeah the business was was scary um but in a i guess a good scary i don't know it's good it's a good scary now it's 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 good now so (laughs) good good uh what's a pet peeve of yours Oh, is that, does that have to be something someone else does or just something that annoys me? Just anything. Yeah. What, what annoys you? I would say loud sounds. I, I just super loud sounds. I just, yeah. Like I used to wait by the bus for the bus to go to UT Austin. And I just remember the exhaust. I don't know. I just oh, yeah. not that, that bothers me. That's a pet that bothers you. Okay. <laughs> I like quiet. <laughs> if you, if you didn't choose your current profession, what profession would you like to try? Uh, probably something in music. Yeah. Music and performance. That's great. Yeah. And the last question is if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hmm. Well, I'm not religious, so I'm not sure what I would envision for that one. (laughs) Um, so if, after the your day comes, okay. What, what would we, you like to see happen um, on the other side? A connection to to everybody, you know, feeling that spiritual connection to mm-hmm. others, living or dead. I guess, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just feeling connected. That's like awesome. that. Yeah. Well, Emily, best of luck uh, to you and your new private practice and everything you're doing with bilingual therapy and telepractice and how can others get in touch? So we want to give out your website and uh, do that. Sure. sure. Um, parade speech. So P A R A D E speech.com. And that's my website. And then on Instagram, I'm at parade underscore speech. And those are the two main places. I'm on Facebook too, but those Instagram and my website are are good. Awesome. Well, good luck with everything. Thank you. I really appreciate y'all having me today. That was Emily McCullough from Parade Pediatric Speech Therapy in Austin, Texas. Emily, thank you for joining us. And we really appreciate your insights about bilingual speech language pathology and how you're doing that and delivering those services via telepractice. So good luck with everything that you're doing. 
And thank you for listening to today's episode. If you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That always helps us to attract new listeners and to get new subscribers, which is what we really want to do. And we'll be back, of course, next week with another exciting episode. So until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.